0: This podcast is part of the Stuff Podcast Network.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of I Know That Face, the only podcast which honors the often underappreciated by the masses word of character actors. My name is Stephen Portia.
0: My name is Andrew Carroll.
1: Today is part of our second entry in our Halloween series. We are discussing Horror Queen or... Britain's first lady of horror, Barbara Steele. Andrew, yes. Ooh. run down their history.
0: Welcome to I Know That Face, the podcast with the most stammering and yammering this side of Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Barbara Steele was born in 1937 in Birkenhead, England. Her first role came at the age of 18 and kickstarted a career that included both TV and film. Her first horror role came in Mario Bava's credited debut, Black Sunday, a send-up of early universal horror films. She became a mainstay in Italian horror films such as Castle of Blood, Terror Creatures from Beyond the Grave, and Nightmare Voices. It's actually Terror Creatures from the Grave, but I'm going to stick with that one. (laughs) Um, Steele also had supporting roles in Roger Corman's Poe adaptation, The Pit and the Pendulum, as well as the 1968 Hammer picture, Curse of the Crimson Altar. She began to move away from the gothic mode towards more modern fare like David Cronenberg's Shivers in 1975, Joe Dante's Jaws rip-off Piranha in 1978, and the 79 American slasher, Silent Scream. Uh, She didn't act in films again until 2012's The Butterfly Room, followed by a small role in Ryan Gosling's directorial debut, Lost River. In 2020, she turned to voice acting as Miranda in Netflix's Castlevania adaptation.
1: Which is so funny because she's overdubbed in so many of those alien movies.
2: <laughs> Finally, we're getting to hear her real voice. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we're
0: joined by a very special
1: guest Join the Two Timers Club. Uh, you may know her from her horror film blog, Film Fiend, or from the IFI. She was the special guest on our most listened to episode to date. It's Katie McGrath.
2: Was that the most listened yeah. to episode? Aww.
1: I'm not going to say the numbers because it,
0: it's embarrassing. But like, it was our most listened to episode. Yeah.
2: All eight people.
0: <laughs> well, this one is gothic as well. So yeah, got a theme. we're getting, yeah, we're getting a yeah. theme in. Yeah.
2: We're coming for you, Barbara. <laughs> steel.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's steal ourselves. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I pitched you two on steel, which was a bit stressful for many reasons. Because um, I never heard of her.
2: But then I remembered that I saw her in Shivers and obviously Black Sunday. And I was like, no, there's some there's some good steel to this.
1: Mm. Even though she's been in a lot of cheap, trashy horror films, she, she's worked with some really excellent filmmakers. And she was often, like, just as they were starting up like, yeah, on the ground yeah. level, like she was in Roger Corman's Staples. So she worked with him and then through him, she was in uh, Jonathan Demme's first movie. And she was in Mario Bava, and Michael Reeves's first films and Cronenberg's first proper feature length movie. And, you know, as you said, Joe Dante, she was in yeah. a Fellini movie, which is insane.
2: You know, her filmography is so impressive. Yeah. It's strange. Because she is she is such a good actress, but I think it's just like she's so iconic in her face. I'm surprised I don't recognise her from other things. Mm. Mm. Like she does have that weird, that beautiful, exotic, dark look. And then like the big, beautiful eyes. And it's just framed perfectly with those killer cheekbones. Oh, yeah. Cheekbones those weapons insane. of cheekbones. Yeah. Like they're so sharp. So pointed.
1: But I also think as well, she has an Eva Green sort of vibe where she can kind of mm. jump between camp and class really yeah. well often in like the same movie
0: yeah yeah i'd agree yeah
1: and um like she can play like a hero or a villain or, or and sometimes in the same in movie the same like black movie, sunday, yeah. black mm. black or sunday yeah. she can play high characters while so imbuing them with a lot of layers and depth like in something like kht and just has a very sultry voice
2: very sultry Love it. from what we can yeah. hear well, it's well, yeah, really yeah, her or yeah. not, she's so Who strange. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I've seen her in later stuff where she was definitely doing the speaking. It's definitely and her it real great voice. voice, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, she's had a clear actor career where she's been in a lot of like 60s Euro thrillers, then the 70s, she works in the US and Canada and then retiring for most of the 90s yeah, and 2000s much, yeah. before a bit of a resurgence lately. Yeah. Um, so we get into a breakthrough, Black Sunday. Uh, yeah. You liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I did. Do you want to break down the plot? Uh, so
0: in 1630... A witch called Asa Vaida is uh, burnt at the stake and has a mask hammered through her face by her brother, the Prince of Moldavia, I believe the country is. She places a curse on his lineage, and 200 years later, in 1830, two doctors are travelling through Moldavia and meet Princess Katia Vida, who is Asa's descendant. And basically, the do- in investigating her uh, Asa's tomb, one of the doctors cuts himself, and uh, the blood basically brings Asa back to life to uh, uh, try and steal Katya's youth through some form of satanic, witchy vampirism. Mm. It's like a send-up of the early kind of Universal horror movies, but mm. uh, just
1: a bit more lurid and like a yeah, little bit more sexual, yeah, and a little yeah. bit more violent yeah. in, a, in a really cool way. I yeah, it looks yeah,
0: gorgeous. It, yeah, it's kind of it's because it's got like the same sensibilities of a Universal horror movie, but and it, but it's, uh, it's also coming along at a point where Italian movie. Italian horror movies didn't really have their own identity. Like, you know, mm. you don't have like Giallo movies, uh, like that Dario Argento, Argento and Mario Bava would also later make famous. Um, and you don't have like the horrible, like dripping zombie movies of Lucio Fulci or like even the where people brought in found f- one of the first found footage movies in Cannibal Holocaust, which, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a really gorgeous movie, I think, even if it is in black and white. And like, I think a lot of Italian horror movies are known for their color. No yeah. matter how unrealistic the color is.
2: No, it's yeah. definitely a precursor to like pretty much Italian horror. I think it's such a staple of modern horror in general. I think people rip it off all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And I think it's like a genuinely scary movie in parts. There's yeah, that scene yeah, where for sure. The, it is. Yeah, the teenage girl is going to milk the cow, and she doesn't want to go because it's near the cemetery. And her mom is like, "Go, go, go!" And then at the same time. Barbara Steele's evil witch has um, resurrected her henchman from the grave and Mm. it's just a really long drawn out sequence and you're really you get tense like oh I hope this teenager doesn't get hurt she doesn't which is great
2: but she does have a great duality I think to her whole career and it does start off with Black Sunday obviously because of the dual role but she quickly just goes from like I think someone had it in a Guardian article I didn't remember enough about but it says she epitomizes either sweet innocence or malign evil but either way it's wonderful to watch yeah yeah, yeah like yeah, it's so yeah. she just turns on a dime like from like being a really innocent person to that like little smirk she does with a great side eye yeah,
0: yeah. like Katia is like she's such a reserved and steely character <laughs> uh, how long were you waiting for yeah. the uh, about five minutes <laughs> um She's trapped as she is by, like, the expectations in terms of class and gender, gender that are put upon her, whereas Asa is, like, much more independent, but also evil because of that independence, so mm-hmm. it's hard to say which is better. Um, and, but it's, it was still rare at that time to see, like, repression and liberation played by the same woman, and it kind of shows how far we've come in terms of horror films and films in general, now that we have female characters who are able to embody both yeah. In in the one That's character, cool. as opposed to splitting the traits between the two and then just killing off the one that was, uh, you know, sexually liberated or, uh, you know, just a, a bit darker. Mm. You know?
1: mm. And she gets a really good like superstar introduction because there's this like Star Wars-esque opening crawl and the narrator is describing her vampire character being sentenced to death for sorcery. And as she's about to be burned alive, we see her from behind first before she turns around towards the camera and the camera like pans in on her face and um, it's almost like is being like get ready to see this actor for the next 20 years yeah. in horror movies <laughs> and right before she's about to be killed her character delivers this like Shakespearean monologue p- placing a curse on her brother and his descendants that's really stirring like she says you'll never escape my vengeance or mm. Satan's my revenge will seek you out and with the blood of your sons and of their sons and of their sons I will continue to live forever and I was ready to praise Steele for that delivery until I realized that uh, she was dubbed. (laughs) um,
2: Yeah, that's kind of annoying. The whole Mm. I was like, "What a beautiful voice!" And they're like, "Mm." "Yeah." I will say,
1: compared to most of the horror movies around this era, which we talked about in our last episode, the dubbing here is quite good. Yeah, I didn't really notice that. Yeah, Yeah. but I also think that Steele's physical performance is excellent in that opening scene, like the way her eyes bulge as they are about to be put into the iron mask, Mm. or she's her face is about to be put into the iron mask with the spikes. And the way she looks up at the sky crazed as she says the word Satan and you hear like the thunder. Like, yeah. It's very effective. And um, like she's playing these two characters uh, one that's camp and one that's quieter and more down to earth. And you can always tell which one is which. And yeah. that's pretty important especially given that there's a scene where one pretends to be the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. impressive.
0: And also like one of them is spends most of their time in a coffin in the movie. That's so true like, too. Oh yeah. This one <laughs> is absolutely. So there's yeah, the yeah, bit yeah.
1: where she takes over they yeah, 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 her yeah. bodies. It's yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. 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 Um, I liked it a lot. Were we going to *Pit the Pendulum*, sure. mm. which is her pretty much immediate follow-up to *Black Sunday*? Yeah,
2: yeah. I yeah. think this is where she was like, "I'm going to be a scream queen," but though she doesn't really scream a lot mm. in any of her films, which is ironic.
1: Um, yeah, I'll break down the plot. So there's this guy goes to Spain when he hears his sister Elizabeth, played by Steele, in a brief but very pivotal role, has mm. died. Her husband Nicholas Medina, and then. Incredible Vincent Price, mm. Mm. Uh, the son of the best torturer in the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> like, if you're doing torturing, the best little torture in. house in town. <laughs> um, yeah, so Vincent Price tells his wife's brother that the wife has died of a blood disease, and Francis finds it hard to believe. And after some investigating, he finds out that it was extreme fear that was fatal to his sister and that she may have been buried alive. And strange things then start to happen in the Medina Castle. And I know you two are mixed on this film, but um, I really loved all the colors and the gothic aesthetic. And it's less than any minutes long, and the pacing is really good. Every scene there's a progressively larger revelation mm. that uh, just gives the movie this propulsive energy. And the big reveal, which I think is usually the worst part in movies like this, like the build up is always better than the payoff. Mm. Is actually the best bit of the movie, I think.
2: Yeah, the third act of the movie does just slap. Like it, it does. just goes. Yeah, yeah. Grade A to the left. Like, Vincent Price is just pure,
0: deadly. (laughs) It's so good.
2: When he just changes. He's like Barbara as well, the way they... He kind of is two people. Like he does just kind of yeah, turn. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And has Turns like this snap Turns father pretty much. Yeah. Great. And it's just so different. And the physicality he just like takes over. This is just like turned into a Vincent Price appreciation <laughs> podcast. Now. Next Halloween. Next yeah.
0: Because yeah. yeah, it's it's like someone. It's like watching someone rev a motorbike's engine until it mm-hmm. explodes. Because you're, you're starting to. And then it just goes. And And then. I'd rather have
1: that than Sinister, where it's like, oh, the build-up's really good, and then it's like, that's just a guy. (laughs) Like a hat. Just a guy. Um, On Steel, I'd say that her absence of the absence of her character haunts the movie like there's a lot of talk about Elizabeth uh, portraits of her hang around the castle Price's character says how he tried to capture her essence in paintings but was difficult because she had such a unique quality uh, which is sort of naturally Barbara Steele's vibe the cheekbones Mm. kept
0: cutting the canvas
1: (laughs) (laughs) and then about 25 minutes into the film we have we see this really long hazy flashback with just short snippets spiced together rendered in these weird looking bold colour filters um, of Steele oh, and so Price's good. life together and her mental disintegration and Price narrates them from the present day describing them to Steele's brother and I just love how impressionistic they are like the sicker Steel seems to become the more foggy and mysterious the visuals mm-hmm. are and almost like old film
0: there's just a kind of a great quote from the director Roger Corman about it where he's, he's just, he kind of describes these sequences as like twisted and distorted because they're being experienced by someone on the rim of madness Oh, that's smart. great yeah, great little quote. Mm.
1: And like, while Steele is silent during these snippets, I think she conveys the idea of her mental descent and the idea that like the torture and dark atmosphere that permeates and lingers through the castle has infected her. But also because it's Price's character narrating it, and the visuals are so strange, you you wonder can this be trusted? You know, and because it's Steele in this part, someone who goes on to. Make a career Stealing scenes In movies like this Like you assume stealing. The
0: character the ah. wrong, You also it's, so. it's the wrong pun <laughs> <laughs> It's the wrong spelling
2: <laughs> Scrap it It's out of Only the park. Only Andrew can make st- <laughs> m-
1: m- Puns on the actors It's names. the
0: metal steal <laughs> you- Not the verb To steal <laughs> I wasn't making a pun <laughs> God swear. I'm working with amateurs Get your English together <laughs> but you, you, you did English with film <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry
1: but uh, you do assume the character will get to do more, you know, mm. and did Price kill Steele? Like, is there a ghost haunting the castle? Is she even dead? Did something else happen? And yeah, I won't spoil it, but Steele gets the chance to get one or two real meaty scenes in the back half going toe to toe with Price mm. in terms of elevating what could be in lesser hands a cheap Poe adaptation into
0: high art. And I think she holds her own. She really does. Mm. Yeah, She really goes toe to toe with him. Yeah. I will say this, though, for a movie called if a movie is called The Pit and the Pendulum. Exactly. You should feature the pit and the pendulum more heavily. No, I disagree. Like, I think it's perfect.
2: Don't be teasing me with your pendulum.
0: The whole time you're like, when the pit." And the Is pendulum that a euphemism? <laughs> oh, you um, know.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they don't even build up the pit and the pendulum as not these at all horrible. They, do. they don't at all. They don't. They're not even shown in the flash. You hear
1: the noises.
0: Uh,
2: Remember, who are You supposed to
0: know? That's the noise of a pit. What noise pit does a pendulum? I
2: can't hear with my eyes. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. I'm here to watch things.
0: It's bullshit. I block my I block tor-
2: my ears with
1: his plugs. D- his dad was the best torture. Obviously, we that's the even, pendulum. Yeah, obviously, but we,
2: I would love to see that. I'd love to see. It. I appreciate. We do. No, we don't. I appreciate the whole man flashback. Like that's great but we should have seen the man get sliced and diced. We should have seen someone get sliced and diced. Like, this is okay, unfair.
0: Fair. Yeah, that's the thing, though. It is kind of interesting that...
2: To make that set piece alone was just <laughs> such a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> the pit
0: wasn't even that deep. No. I could see them when they, mm-hmm. where they fell. <laughs> anyway, compared to the pit and the pendulum, Black Sunday is a way more violent movie. And for a movie that involves not only a pit, but also a pendulum, mm. not a very violent movie. You want to okay. see someone get sliced and diced. Yeah. You want to see someone get splattered in a pit.
1: Fair. we we'll talked talk briefly about eight and a half. Just because okay. you watched it. You know, yeah. Even though it's not a horror film. It was
2: also just my first time watching it. I'm ashamed to say I watched it on my phone. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. As Fellini intended. But it's still, yeah, Fellini's the new Scorsese. Or the old <laughs> Scorsese. But it's safe to say that it, from my little phone, it still is one of the best films I've ever seen. Oh. So fantastic. it holds up well. You know, great job Fellini. <laughs> Arrivederci. Eight, eight and, and a half out of ten. It. She's really good. Have you seen it? I've seen it, but oh, I yeah, don't, you don't remember Barbara She's um, the woman called Gloria, the guy, his Guido's friend that they meet at the spa treatment place. One of the places he's just like procrastinating, of course. Yeah. And she's just like this really feisty, vivacious young kind of ingenue. I didn't do fucking French. And, um, we'll get Charlie into dub your voice. <laughs> thank you. Like the steel ultimate steel style. moment. <laughs> But um, no, she really bounces off the screen. And she's got this cute little black bob. She's just so vivacious and everything. And she just kind of excels. Like this weird young sexuality that she's just so like full of life. Yeah. I think Guido's looking at her like, God damn you.
1: Oh, that's cool. I'm old. <laughs> it's streaming on movie now, so I should probably revisit it. Is, it is, yeah. You watch also Terror Creatures uh, from the Grave, Graves. So yeah, us about and I that?
2: kept... I also kept calling it From Beyond the Grave
0: It should be From Beyond the Grave First Game. of
2: all Don't call a film Terror Creatures In general If it's not going to be A creature feature The whole time Like a whole Hour and a half I was like When are we going to get Some monsters Floating around here So it's basically She's Barbara Steele plays This really cool Kind of cold Young stepmother To this man Who's recently died And for some reason This Um uh, he, the dead man, sends a letter to the lawyer, or something, and the lawyer's like, "Yeah, I'll show up." But his assistant comes in, and it kickstarts this whole like investigative drama, like cop drama, kind of. It kind of reminded me of Double Identity. That's so It does, yeah, yeah. But it's like Double Identity from the Grave. <laughs> that's what we need, and that's just this whole. It's got this cool like gothic castle backstory to it, where it used to be like a plague hospital, and there's all this like plague, leprosy vibe that keeps coming back. And Barbara just plays this, like, whopper-vade bitch. She's, like, <laughs> cheating on her husband, as usual, with the a doctor. She's always screwing the doctor. Yeah, always an adulteress, mm-hmm. always screwing the doctor, and always looking in the mirror. My She's not going to watch this tonight. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> when it started off, I was a bit like, oh, here we go again, there's another one. But then it just has this... The music in it is just so melancholic. They have this <laughs> weird, like, child lullaby. That gets played all the time and it's really hypnotic. I was like humming that's it all cool. day long. And my roommate was also humming it all day long in the kitchen. So it does like infect people. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's
1: cool. I'm I okay, I should point out that you watched a lot of tried to watch a lot of these sixties movies and <laughs> yeah. um, were so bored by them you turned them off. Of, yeah, like, I watched a lot of like minutes.
2: thirty minutes of like the terrible Doctor Hitchcock. The
1: That sounded gross. That yeah,
2: it wasn't. Well, I wanted to I watched a bit of The Ghost. Couldn't finish that either. <laughs>
1: I watched this thing, She-Beast, which was kind of my bad movie. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it was, I was really excited to watch it because it was the debut of Michael Reeves, who mm. went on to make Witchfinder General, uh, and died pretty soon after yeah, Witchfinder yeah. General. Yeah. So I was excited to check out some of his other because I really like Witchfinder General. Yeah, it's about this couple who are on ho- honeymoon in Transylvania, which I believe you visited, right?
2: Love it. Great place. Would recommend. <laughs>
1: cool. Anyway, they're they're in Transylvania and they have a car accident and the wife Steele plunges into the water and her body is possessed by the spirit of an 18th century witch who was killed by local villagers and is hell bent on avenging herself on them.
0: So, not a beast. Not a beast. Feature. We're another. I'm going go distinct. more lies. I'm gonna go into that.
1: Like, Why do they
2: keep blue balling us of these old horrors? Like she <laughs> is
1: kind of a beast, but her mate... Main...
2: I mean, we're all beasts.
1: Even. They say she's like a witch beast, right? But in the movie she seems just that she's deformed and that like she can oh. possess people. But like she kills people just the way like I could kill people. Like she doesn't mm-hmm. like do anything particularly <laughs> strong. They never really set up exactly what she is. The whole time you're like, what is her deal? It's really annoying as well.
2: What's her it's, vibe?
1: They make her deformed, but it's clearly not Barbara Steele because apparently oh. Barbara Steele was only available for one day and she worked 18 hours. <laughs>
2: she had to go down to Fellini.
1: Yeah, exactly. Probably that yeah, yeah, yeah. She was odds there. It's sort of like, what if Transylvania, what if a Transylvania set horror took place in the USSR? Because it's set in modern day for when this movie was being made, when Romania was a Soviet-aligned Eastern yeah, Bloc. Yeah. But like Van Helsing's descendant lives in a cave because the government repossessed his <laughs> castle. Oh my god! No one wants That's to terrible. report anything to the police because they they think they'll be falsely imprisoned. Um, when the d-
0: dreadful storytelling, Van Helsing was Dutch. You can only get
2: a pint with a substantial meal. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: When they, when they do tell the police what's going on, the police say things like, that is a superstitious and subversive remark. I shall make a note of it. <laughs> There's a lot of this stuff. However, like it, it feels really thrown together in a rush, uh, which reading about it appears to have been the case. There's this line where... And it has not like, no atmosphere and tone. And this IMDb quote says, Horrified by the outrageously comical final car chase scene shot by the second unit, director Michael Reeves reluctantly decided to keep it in without a cut, not only because it couldn't be reshot for budget reasons, but also because the film's 75-minute running time was short enough as it was. <laughs> so that kind of gives, sums up the vibe. Yeah. And Robert Steele is hardly in the movie and when she is in it, she has this sort of like nice kind of cheeky energy with her yeah. husband. They seem like a, a new, newly married couple. But then she's just not in it anymore. And when you compare it to Black Sunday, where it's all about that duality of, yeah. kind of the good and evil, like it would have been really great to see her body be the manifestation of this kind of like witchy beast. beast but yeah. it's just like a person, another person, clearly in makeup, doesn't even have like a similar body shape. Yeah. It was really, it's really poor. It's a fat man. Yeah, It's, it's, hair. <laughs> it's not a fat man. Yeah. <laughs> As you heard in the intro, this show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts. There's plenty of other great shows to check out on the network. Here's a taster of one. Okay, it's Jibs here from Pints of Malt. So our podcast is basically a group of Irish-Nigerian lads who tell their stories, growing up in Ireland, as well as Nigeria, and we share our experiences with all of y'all. We also add a bit of comedy as well, you know, to get y'all laughing. Get you out through the week in these tough times that we are in. So, y'all sit back and just, you know, enjoy the show.
2: As Jib said, we're the Prince of Mop Podcast. You can find us on all streaming platforms, including the Haskell Network.
1: And now, back to the show. I was the only one to watch Cage Heat, which is the debut from Jonathan Demi, who who would go on to win Best Director for Silence of the Lambs and make other acclaimed dramas and thrillers like Philadelphia or the Madurn Candidate remake. And comedies like Married to the Mob and Something Wild. And from seeing his movies and hearing people talk about, seeing some of his movies and hearing people talk about him, he was a very humanist guy with this like anarchic spirit, which I think is really present in Cage Heat, even if I don't think he had worked out how to make a movie yet. Mm. Like, as you can guess from the title, it's one of those women in prison exploitative movies that were very popular around the time. I love their...
2: a women in prison movie.
1: <laughs> I haven't seen many of them, I have to say.
2: We watched one, I thought, in college. Or... Didn't we? I thought we did. I did think we? I did.
1: Maybe for an essay. Or Maybe something. it was just for your
2: personal enjoyment yeah, Katie. Just for the archives, you know. <laughs> but
1: they were very it was like basically filmmakers' way of like we couldn't have loads of naked women in a movie we if they're in prison tits. because yeah. like they have to take showers, right? Mm. <laughs> that like, is true, they, they do have, have to a wall take showers with like dollar signs on them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Needs more tits. Prison mm. and showers <laughs> equals dollar sign. <laughs> um Can
2: we fit in mud somewhere in this? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and the but the movie centers on um this uh, woman who is convicted for illegal drug offences who's sentenced to a women prison and she and several fellow convicts fight the repressive policies of the wheelchair-bound prison warden pipe by Barbara Steele and a male prison doctor who's doing illegal electric shock ter- experiments and taking advantage of his patients. We have a violent sorority here. There are very strong ways of dealing with it. You're in a house of desperate women here. And a long, long way from home. And uh, as I said, I haven't watched a lot of these prison movies, but I'm mm-hmm. surprised that this wasn't as lascivious or misogynistic as I thought it was going to be.
2: Well, it probably wasn't because Steel, they kind of probably subverted the, like it probably would have been a male warden. Yes, right. So they, it's an interesting subversion to make her a female sadistic yeah, warden.
0: And if it was a male warden, it would be like, there's they're running illegal baby oil experiments in the prison. <laughs> <laughs> And, no, don't turn the hose on them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> in this one, they have, like, this, like, talent show that they do in the prison or, like, this drag show that they mm. do. But in, I feel like if it was in a, a, another one of these women prison movies, it would be, like, a wet t-shirt <laughs> contest or something. <laughs> um, They're yeah, doing high art. It does. This movie does have um, loads of, like, shower scenes. But you can really feel, like, Demi trying to give it a feminist slant, which makes sense with the Barber Steel thing. Mm. And... You know, there's a part where prisoners break out of jail and visit a friend working in a brothel where women are paid to wrestle men. And oh. at the end, it's all about these female prisoners coming together to save their friend from this horrible male doctor. So I think that's something to laud, even if the thematic... Well, the thematic stuff is so forefront, the scenes connecting them feel really disjointed and weird. And the movie doesn't, like communicate effectively, like, key bits of information or why characters do certain things. Like, a lot of the time yeah. you're, like, scratching your head, like, how did that person yeah. It's not that. important. We need where's, more tits on this yeah, screen. Yeah, where's what the baby need. oil? This isn't <laughs> what I paid for. The movie's <laughs> pacing is so weird as well. Like, nothing will happen for a really long time and then suddenly so much stuff will happen and then it ends really abruptly. Yeah. And you're a bit like, oh, okay. But uh, on Steel Dick, like, she plays this uptight, repressed, paralyzed from the waist down prison warden. Yet even from a <laughs> wheelchair, she commands authority she she gets a different kind of cool intro than Black Sunday we see the shadow of her wheelchair loom on a wall as she's being rolled into a hall and then as she turns the corner like it's surprising how like unimposing she is mm. but immediately you feel the temperature of the room change and like some of the prisoners stiffening up a bit yeah and then, then there's, a, there's a couple as I said there's a couple of prisoners put on this uh, body drag show except they're doing impersonations of men which is you know another Jonathan Demi weird touch and she's repulsed by it and shuts it down and puts one of the participants in solitary. And then later on, she has a dream that she's participating in it and can walk and she's doing this cabaret show where she's dressed like Liza Minnelli. <laughs> it's Liza. And she's saying things to bars. She's saying things to the prisoners who are in the crowd, like, "Don't you realize it was sex that put you behind bars in the first place? Stealing to dress better for a man, killing to eliminate a sexual rival, and it's." Like she wants to be part of the show, but she can't because of her legs. But it's also a power fantasy, so it, it's weird. And she kind of feels a bit like a tragic villain, mm,
0: yeah.
1: And later on, at one point, she makes the doctor give one of the prisoners who she thinks murdered an elderly member of staff, and she didn't, uh, electroshock therapy. And when she orders it, it's which is really funny, she's like CPT, like she's like ordering the person <laughs> to get electric shock therapy um she's happy to give have the doctor do this because it stops the patients from being violent and rebelling and gives her control and she's she's pretty much like emblematic of that type of female authority figure you often hear about after an injustice where they're very cruel to other women who fell in hard times or had a tough upbringing or were treated unfairly and some of the prisoners in the film talk about being jailed for killing men in self-defense yet when a, a male fellow figure of authority is clearly shady and abusing his position and committing crimes, they're like you seem trustworthy. <laughs> and and because, like the movie makes it clear that like she doesn't know about the sex crimes the mm. doctor is committing, yeah, yeah, yeah. but she does like enable him yeah, to commit yeah. them. So like it's not a great movie, or, and maybe not even a good one, but it is interesting. It's yeah. got something going yeah, yeah, on, and like yeah. it's clear that the you know Demi went on to do a lot yeah. great
0: work. I'll tell you what is a good movie: Shivers. Shivers,
1: Shivers but, is, uh, is so good. Cage Sheet is clearly someone kind of understanding what themes preoccupy him but not really understanding how to make a movie yet whereas I think Shivers is so different where it's like he's just arriving fully formed like yeah. this is yeah. the stuff that David Cronenberg is going to be making movies about forever yeah. like these topics <laughs> and he, it's already so well made the only thing is maybe some of the acting performances are a bit stiff or <laughs> very true yeah,
0: yeah. Well,
2: that's just the 70s man yeah it's yeah, true. That's true people yeah. are weirder back then yeah.
0: do you want to break down the plot? sure um, so in the Starliner Towers apartment complex there's a para- sex parasite running around this, uh, <laughs> that has been living in a girl. That has been living in some poor, skir- poor high school girl's stomach, and uh, the doctor that implanted it goes to in a showstopper opening scene. Like oh. uh, he strangles this poor girl to death, strips her body, and then guts her and pours acid in the stomach wound. The parasite spreads and eventually takes over the entire complex. Uh, but yeah, after that hatchy matchy opening, it. It's like it kind of—it kind of becomes an ensemble piece from there, where mm. it's just all about these different people's lives and uh, all these men with really, really deep voices, yeah. um, and with parasites living in their guts. And then eventually, the parasites take over, and they all start—you know—burst into an orgy. They're of hungry for sex. love. yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> um, but <laughs> but not that desperate. Um, <laughs> burst into an orgy of sex and sometimes violence. Yeah. And it's really—it's real. It's a really gnarly film.
1: It feels like a lot like a reaction to the free love sexual revolution, like yeah. except taking that a step further and asking like, if we truly removed all inhibitions and stripped ourselves to our baser urges, how terrifying would that be? Yeah, and it's that incredible scene where Steel and the hordes are pulling the central doctor into the high rise swimming pool, where it it looks like they're about to kill him and rip him to shreds, but they start making out with him <laughs> and yeah. It's almost more scary. Yeah. It's so strange. Yeah.
0: It's like a, it's a Canada's sexual answer to Night of the Living Dead or something. Yeah, no. it's like a yeah. really
2: understated slash revolutionary zombie film. Yeah, they completely turned romance like whole idea of what a zombie is on its head because yeah. they are technically not. They are dead usually. yeah
0: I think it's it's one of the only films that's made me like. Have you ever done that thing where it's you're so uncomfortable and kind of. Shocked and scared in a movie Where you're kind of Lifting yourself out of your chair Just with one eye open Yeah climax. I was a lot. Yeah mm-hmm. like the bit Not necessarily the climax But the bit No the movie climax maybe. Oh <laughs> right sorry Yeah Um, But the bit in the Elevator Where the waiter From the Oh god Star-Liner The little girl Yeah because he <sighs> Obviously like Infects her mother yeah. um And then you don't You don't see what happens To the little girl But it's clear like She's got a parasite in her Maybe we don't need this movie. Maybe we were better <laughs> off without it. You know, just in certain scenes, I'm like, Ugh. yeah. It really does make you shiver. You were you were saying that like
1: we would that movie would never be made now. And, oh my like, god, there's a reason not, they remade no. Rabbit. They didn't, yeah, remake exactly. Shooters, yeah, know? yeah. Um, yeah, but just on Steve, like she plays Bets, um, a lesbian mm. who seems to have a crush on her friend who's married to this guy who's cheating on her, which led him to catch the parasite. Oh, yeah. So this friend keeps going around to Bets. And saying my husband's acting so weird, I don't know what to do. And Betts is being supportive, but a little flirty, mm, a respectable yeah. amount yeah, of flirty. Yeah. I'd say yeah. But then later, when she gets infected with the parasite, and her most vulnerable in the
0: bath. Yeah, it's a really that's that's another
2: I really. I will nasty never scene. trust Bats again yeah. after yeah. this
0: film. And then they're when she's rotten
1: after she's possessed by the parasite, she like stands on the glass, the not over yeah. it, mm. So, so thing, the whole thing is horrible. Yeah, after she gets invited by in Paris, she's super aroused, and her friend comes over to cry and steals stroking her hair to console her and just gets so horny. <laughs> <laughs> and she starts repeating over and over again make love to me. Yeah. Yeah. Make love to be shady. Yeah. You know what I want. I want you to make love to me. I Make love to me, Make love to me. Make love to me, Make love to <laughs> And part of you Against your better judgment Is like good for her Because
2: you know She had a crush on her Fly that freak flag bitch And the other part
0: is like Oh this is terrible The parasite is spreading Yeah I hate those parasites They look like Shits Just wriggling (laughs) around With a little mouth At the end of them
2: Like the bit where The old people Are like get it off And it slowly Just keeps crawling From her wheel Her little walker All the way up her arm And they're just like Get it off it like, seems like it burns Do something well. about it Yeah
0: the bit where it yeah. burns Like the Jewish doctor's face off oh. Yeah, There's that
1: Disgustingly cool bit of FX Where Steele's neck Grows really big For a second As she's mm. making out yeah. And then yeah. The other character's neck yeah. Does the same thing like They're oh,
2: spicy like, Adam's apples mm. Just yeah. gonna pop Hold open this. Boom stunning. Scooby-Doo gulp Ooh. <laughs> But it, it still looks just It holds up just as well In 2020 yeah. With the effects yeah. and everything yeah. It's just like Classic Cronenberg Just knocks it out of the park As yeah. usual creeping us all out no. like it's
0: there's always something I never understood about Cronenberg and like I've watched a few, a good few of his movies and written a, like a, an article on him as well Um so can plug find it at headstuff.org slash film <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think you talked about Shimmers explicitly right? Yeah I did yeah it's like he's always I think apart from maybe The Brood which was about his divorce um, he's always kind of been on the side of the monster in his movies mm. which I don't think I've ever understood and never will understand like I can kind of Conceptually, I can kind of get it, but at the same time, like, so you want mass rape?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I can't tell. Yeah, it's it's not something I understand
0: at all. Like, I guess it's like pushing the envelope in terms of like we should look outside ourselves and see how would how we would act if we all our inhibitions were removed. But at the same time, it's still mass rape.
2: But I think the whole it kind of even from Steele's performance in Shivers, her with that. The lesbian kind of kissing scene was quite spicy back in the day for the 70s. But she isn't afraid to go there with her roles. Mm. Like, with especially with the gothic ones, like, there's so much, like, necrophilia, incest, adultery. Like, she's not afraid to be, like, the shocking other woman or the villain, which I love. I love a woman that embraces that. Mm. She loves, like, the dark side of things.
1: I also really like in, her shi- in Shivers that we don't really, it's never explicitly said that she's a lesbian, but just in those early scenes, yeah. she's like, it's all her. She. It's not explicitly. She's throwing out that vibe. Mm. And it just makes the payoff of that when she is infected and her, stripped to her base urges all the more interesting and loaded and... It's a lot I feel that scene's a lot more gripping than the other scenes in the movies where you're just watching hordes infect each yeah, other. Like that yeah. one has like emotional stakes and it's mostly down to steel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't no. think the other actress is doing a lot. Oh
0: my god, no, Janine's no. terrible. I'd say eighty percent of that cast uh, don't know how to act and worse, don't know how to react.
1: So we'll move off on shivers because this is around the time she stops acting for a yeah. while and then sh- she has this resurgence um, recently with The Butterfly Room yeah. and Lost yeah. River and Castlevania. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about The Butterfly Room that she watched?
0: Did either of you guys watch it? No. 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 Okay, all right. I fell asleep. It's, I, uh, I guess it's up to me. Barbara Steele plays Anne, who is a reclusive older woman with a relatively normal fascination with butterflies. She, uh, you know, kills them and pins them into pictures and hangs them in a room. Not a weird hobby at all. (laughs) (laughs) It's good, you know, plenty of people do it. Uh, uh, But worse, she has an extremely creepy obsession with the youth and purity of pre-adolescent girls. The movie opens with a young girl taking a bath and it's when she gets her, uh, as you said, in, in... the last steps you are on, Katie, her dreaded period. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, the bathwater, you know, turns red and whatever. And um, uh, it's implied that she's uh, Anne's daughter. And Anne comes in and is like, look at this mess. Look at this mess. And like half drowns her in the tub full of bloody water, which is like... <laughs> Goes ugh. full carry. Yeah, yeah. Full ca- yeah, yeah, full carry, basically. Uh, because this is like essentially a film with multiple different, different uh, mother and daughter stories basically told in one movie. Like there's Anne and her daughter. And then there's Anne and the young girl next door. There's Anne and another girl that's told through flashbacks, and then there's that girl's mother, who's like a pr- one-legged prostitute that pimps her daughter out to old women so her daughter can get money to bring back home. It's crazy, yeah. Um And it's like it's a stacked cast of like genre movie actors who I didn't realize until I like actually went through them because there's you know obviously there's Barbara Steele, there's Ray Wise from Twin Peaks and RoboCop, you know Leland Palmer, uh, there's Heather Langenkamp from a Nightmare on Elm Street, Nancy. In Nightmare on Elm Street, there's Camille Keaton, from, uh, who's Buster Keaton's granddaughter and oh, was wow. in The Giallo, What Have You Done to Solange and I Spit on Your Grave, the oh, Rape wow. Revenge movie. Uh, Adrian King, the final girl from the first Friday the 13th. And then there's PJ Souls, who, was in, who played, I think, Nancy in Carrie. And then the girl who says totally a lot in Halloween. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's <laughs> yeah, great. She's amazing in that movie. <laughs> I love her. Um, and obviously, the Joe Dante, the director of Piranha, which Steele was also in. And the director of Gremlins, I think, was it was a Gremlins, yeah, 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 yeah. first. Group, uh, yeah. He has like, like a little ca- cameo as a, as a taxi driver as well. So that's basically all the main cast I've listed there, and they were all in like horror movies from that's the seventies. It and 80s. sounds
2: like we have unlimited episodes now, just from that list alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, yeah.
0: So it's kind of like a homage to like the great. De Palma psychological thrillers of the '70s, and I, in my original message to you guys about it, I was like, "It's like a, it's like someone made an AI watched 10,000 hours of De Palma movies." But <laughs> it's not. That's not true. It's that makes it sound very mechanical and robotic. But I think this movie, this the story is told with a lot of heart, even if it's not told with a whole lot of money. Yeah, it's it's just rare these days to see a film kind of this weird and odd with such a stacked cast. Mm. And um, there is a weird bit because it goes back to the flashbacks uh, of. Uh, Anne almost drowning her daughter in the bath and they just couldn't afford someone uh so they have barbara Steele do it but barbara Steele, i think was i think she was around 71 yeah. in 2012 oh, yeah. and so they just use you know the instagram face tune thing where it smooths out people's wrinkles they just use that oh, well. if <laughs> it
2: like works it works yeah it
0: doesn't work it doesn't it's work, like someone okay. put vaseline on the lens of the camera and like it's the the weird thing about the film is that and this is the part where it kind of uh, it's a little converges into a little bit of meh territory for me because like it's a nonlinear timeline and it kind of made it like every decision made by the characters at the start is totally insane. Like you have no idea why they're doing yeah. it. And then as it goes towards the back end of the film, you're kind of like, all right, I'm a little bit more aware of why they're doing it. But this still seems crazy. Call the police, please. <laughs> Someone call the police. You know, Steele is great. She's um, obviously like ins- the most insane out of all of them. Um, like she just sprays acid in a man's face at one point, and then she's th- she like goes to a- in one of the flashbacks, she goes to an apartment and takes the elevator up, presses the stop button, opens the floor of the elevator, and starts spraying acid on a body below <laughs> in the sh- in the elevator shaft. And you have no idea why she's doing it, and eventually you realize why she's doing it, and you're like, this is still insane. Like there's no reason. There's no why isn't she in jail?
2: Oh damn! But, yeah. I wish I watched it now. For it's sake. a great, it's a
0: great movie. i I want. Yeah, I'll watch yeah. it during the week.
2: Yeah. It reminds you of Greta, from what you're saying. Yeah, actually, oh, yeah, that's the one psycho older I ladies. Actually.
1: Yeah. Um, also, Barbara Steele's in Lost River. We should mention, mm. um, uh, which we talked about in our Mendelssohn episode. And yeah,
0: not a not a role I remember. Oh, she, to be honest,
1: uh, she, she doesn't really do much in the movie, but like she's cast in the film because I think Ryan Gosling really likes Bava movies. Mm. And Blank check. The podcast we were talking about Lost River recently, and they were saying that. Uh, it's him trying to make a Bava movie with the same sort of atmosphere and aesthetic, but without putting in all the kind of gore yeah. and the kind of gnarly stuff that Bava had to put in those movies to make them sell at the time. Like, mm. he's just literally into the weird vibe. Yeah, yeah. And he cast Barbara Steele in it as Sir Sharonan's grandmother, who has been mute since her husband died and just watches the TV all day of, like, footage of her...
0: Her wedding, isn't of it? Of her yeah, wedding, yeah. yeah.
1: And it's... um. It's kind of like very melancholic kind of sad performance. She did not get to yeah, do much yeah. but it's, it's kind of nice that Gosling <laughs> included her in the movie and it's a nice bow in her career because she's working with another debut filmmaker. Yeah, that's yeah. true.
0: Yeah. Can we wrap it up there? Yeah, sounds good to me.
1: Rate, review, subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Email us at I know that facepod at com. if you have an actor you want us to cover on the show or that you'd like to be on the show to talk about somebody and you work in media. Uh, Follow us on Twitter and I Know That Face P1. Follow on Instagram and at I Know That Face. Thanks to Shani Fernandez for editing and for running the Insta page. Andrew, where
0: can people find more of your work? You can find me at the Head Stuff Gaming section where we talk about what we play, why we play and how we play it. And you can talk to me on Twitter at AndrewCarroll0 or you can chat to me on the I Know That Face Twitter as well. Katie, anything you want to plug?
2: It's just a FilmFeed blog at uh, FilmFeed Presents uh, dot WordPress or slash WordPress and then the FilmFeed Insta.
1: Yeah, check out the Head Stuff film section. See you later, CinePlause.
0: Bye bye. Ciao. This has been a production of the Head Stuff Podcast Network.